0: Hello and welcome to Indie Filmopolis, a podcast dedicated to indie films, the ones that we make and the ones that we love. I'm Philip Hugh a filmmaker and indie film enthusiast, and this episode, Writer Paul Barrow is back to guide us through the world of video game movies and documentaries. How are you doing, Paul? I'm great, thank you. How are you? I'm, yeah, I'm all good. I'm always good. Uh, thanks for coming back. Never a problem. Uh, in this episode, we'll be talking about uh, my own low-budget flick, Almost Enemy, now that Paul's seen it. He's going to weigh in. Yeah, I will. Uh, hopefully he's got some nice things to say. you have to wait and see. Um, and as we mentioned, we'll be talking about some video game documentaries that Paul's recommended, Indie Game the Movie, The King of Kong, and Atari Game Over. And as a little bonus, we're going to go off the indie film beaten track quite a bit, and we'll discuss uh, Nintendo's 90-minute commercial, The Wizard. Which is one of Paul's favourite films. I hate you, but very quickly before all of that, I just want to give a quick but massive shout out to our long-suffering and ever-so-faithful, very patient Indiegogo followers. Thanks for sticking around, and if you found the podcast by other means, thanks for joining us. I hope our ramblings are entertaining and informative. But first, Paul, almost enemy. You find you're one of a few people.
1: I who've am seen one it. of the select few. I, I think it's a it's a really good film. I'm, I'm proud to have been a tiny part of it. I want you to know that it's my favourite thing you've done now. Oh, fab. It's brilliant. Yeah, yeah it was a two-hour-long cut that I saw. I understand you've edited it down a bit more from, since A little then? bit more, yeah.
0: So I think it's running... A, well, this is a thing, right? The cut that we saw was t- actually two hours, five minutes. And so in my head, that's close enough to two hours. So I thought it's a two-hour cut. And then when I came to... Chop more out of it, and I'd cut five minutes out of it, and it was still running down two, two hours. hours. I was like, "Oh, damn! It's still two hours." Well,
1: okay, so.
0: Uh, but now I've cut another. I think it's down to an hour and forty-five.
1: Well, I want to say that despite being two hours, which you you thought was too long, mm. I didn't feel the length of that film at all. It just hit the ground running and just kept going, and building and building, until, well, I don't want to spoil it. But you enjoyed it. I loved that movie can't Not wait fan. to get hold of a copy I can't get over how good it is when you hear the premise and you're kind of like that'll be interesting mm-hmm. this is it just goes off the deep end from where you think it's gonna gonna yeah. go it's brilliant I can't the problem is I want to talk about it yeah but, but in can't. talking about it I will spoil it and the one thing I don't want anybody to feel while I'm making while I'm talking about this is spoiled
0: well I think there's plenty of praise certainly looking forward to getting it finished, finally, and getting other people to watch. It'll be interesting. The thing I'm most interested for is to see people's reaction who've got no involvement in it. Yeah, don't, of course. Don't know of course of you of were. <clears throat> um,
1: That'll be interesting. When you said two hours, I was like, okay, I'll settle <laughs> no, in, shit. I'll settle in. And then I was like, oh, it's, 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 that, oh, it's done. Because uh, I probably annoyed most of the people at that screening by laughing. I, don't think did. I
0: think um, I think, it was much appreciated. Because I, I, I spent,
1: I spent a while like you know, got to hold this in. Yeah, this is a serious. You know, this is for this is we got we got criticism. <laughs> I'm just like, no, this is funny.
0: Well, that's amazing. Okay, well I won't um, force you to say any more nice things about
1: it. Save them for next time. Oh, can I give the other side of the call? no? Just <laughs> there's no there's no aspect of it where I'm going. Well, that could be better. It all fits together.
0: Oh well, that's amazing. But anyway, I'm glad it's going down well. For those waiting on copies, it's getting closer and closer. And those who've got screening tickets, it's not going to be long now before we do that. Also got a little film doing the rounds, conditioning, which we talked about before. So we'll probably do a dual screening of those. It's only a short five-minute film, so it be a nice bonus to screen. Another good project of yours. Ahead of um, Almost Enemy. Anyway, let's move on to... Video game docs, which was, which was your suggestion? Was my
1: suggestion. I know that you're very into indie film, mm-hmm. and I, I really only watch documentaries on a few things. I think, yeah. and video games. Although you you've, you play games, mm-hmm. uh, you know they're not really your major thing, no. but they are one of mine. So mm-hmm. I've watched a lot of documentaries on the subject.
0: Well, what's interesting about these documentaries is they're not really documentaries about video games. They're documentaries about the people associated in various different ways with video games, which, yeah. um, which is what was fascinating for me, what I enjoyed about them. The first one, King of Kong, Fistful of, Do- uh, Fistful of Quarters.
1: It's uh, probably the first real video game documentary that got big. Mm-hmm. It's um, the story of uh, the race to become the highest scoring Donkey Kong player of all time. Yeah, uh,
0: so it's a very kind of marginalized niche kind of things or very old school gamers yeah living in a in a modern gaming world yeah keeping this thing alive like most kind of niche things it's very
1: cliquey it's got it's got a it's got its own subculture yeah. i mean uh, donkey kong in the history of video games is massively mm-hmm. important obviously it's the first appearance of mario yeah and well jump man but never mind mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, But yeah, like, and it basically gave Nintendo enough money to start making more. Uh, So it is a massively important video game from history, which I think is why they went with let's do Donkey Kong rather than say any of the other, I mean they could have done Pac-Man.
0: Well, my understanding after reading up about this documentary is what they set out to do was a documentary about old video game rivalries. And it ended up becoming a documentary about two people playing, King, uh, playing Donkey playing Doggy Kong. Essentially, unlike the other two documentaries, this is a documentary that sort of became something else. It set out yeah. being one thing, with no kind of clear agenda or, or narrative to, to push or that it had in mind, and just kind of through some luck, really. It yeah, it, seems, it else. seems to have fallen into that yeah. lap to become. So yes, it's a documentary about uh, Steve Wiebe and Billy Mitchell, yeah, who are competing against each other for the highest, the highest score.
1: highest oh, score, Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong.
0: And in the mix of all this is—is is it Twin Galaxies? Twin Galaxies, yeah. Who are an organisation who keep a record of all an these. Or organi- an
1: organisation. It's a few people. A few, well, they—they're they themselves as an organisation. Yeah, okay. They—they're—they're they're like the what would you call them? The they would I, I imagine they would consider themselves the Guinness of old school video games
0: they they kept records keep yeah. records of the the high scores and they do insane things from this documentary like people send them hours and hours of videotapes of them playing games yeah with the high scores so they can log their high scores on their this twin galaxies website yeah and one of the people that sends in some videotapes is steve weeby who's kind of an unknown amongst them. That yeah, nobody he's, knows he's, that. Not a, he's not a, um, a, a name. And what is he doing? Is he the first one to break a million or something? I believe, yeah, I believe that's the case. Um, and he sends this videotape, which is heavily
1: scrutinised. Heavily scrutinised. I think the, the main thing about this documentary is it, it's very much set up as good versus evil. Mm-hmm. There is a guy you're supposed to root for, and there's very much a guy you are not supposed to root for, which, it's, you know, it, it, it can skew the viewer, which most documentaries do. Yeah. But it it really lends an almost narrative quality to it. Mm-hmm. Like, there's many parts where you're like, you couldn't write this.
0: So the other main character in all of this is Billy Mitchell, who is Steve Weeby's a good guy, quote yeah. unquote. Billy Mitchell's the quote unquote bad guy. Yeah. And in the middle of all this is Twin Galaxies,
1: who, are- who. Let's be honest, like Billy Mitchell is a superstar in um, in this arena. Mm-hmm. He, he's the first person to quote unquote complete Pac Man to make the game crash because it's gone so far. Um, he holds records from back in the 70s when these things were at the height of their
0: popularity. So there's no dispute whatsoever that Billy Mitchell's a world class old school gamer at the point the movie is made there is no dispute all his records are currently set people have witnessed them from what I recall in the 80s he set a record for um, Donkey Kong yeah and that has never been broken yet to be broken until Steve Weeby sent in this is set in the early 2000s yes sent sent this Twin Galaxies a, a tape of him
1: allegedly Beating this record,
0: going in excess of a million points. Yeah, and for whatever reason they deem, I didn't quite get to the. He was associated with somebody else. Is it Captain Awesome? Captain or awesome. awesome, or something?
1: Captain Awesome, I believe. So
0: that was one of the strange things about this documentary. I don't think that they really. Explained they didn't him explain it too much. From
1: from what I understand, basically he was disputing that Billy was as good as he was, mm-hmm. and they basically blackballed him because he was just campaigning against like, you guys are all crooked and all that kind of thing from what I understand and then basically because Steve Wibby had got the board for his arcade machine Mm -hmm. which is the that's where the chipset is and all that kind of thing Mm -hmm. uh, because he got got it from this Captain Orson fellow they were like well it must be tampered with it must be easier for you to get to a million points because that's how seriously these people take this stuff Mm Uh, he, came home, what was it, he came home one day to find two blokes just taking his arcade machine apart. That's right,
0: yeah. Oh, I think um, they'd knocked on the door and his wife had told them to go away and wait for him to come back. And then yeah. when he did come back, yes, they'd kind of broken into his garage and were taking his machine apart. So, Which, if
1: you want to sit... like These people are not like the big, heavy FBI men in black type people no, you're expecting. From, they are like they're like the, the nerdiest nerds you can possibly imagine.
0: Yeah. Um, so yeah his claim that uh, he'd beaten this goal was under dispute and didn't go through and so they have is it an annual event
1: I think yeah I think it's an annual event at Funspot so this
0: annual gathering at Funspot uh, Steve Weeby turns up he Steve Weeby quote-unquote the hero to in public try and
1: uh, uh, repeat his feat
0: yeah which he does he, he crosses a million. He gets to the final screen. Yeah, hundreds of people are Well, dozens of people are watching. <laughs> yeah, it. let's not pretend it's. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so this is an, like a small town arcade, and it's a very famous. It's a
1: well famous kind of in that kind of community. It's massive,
0: and there's all these video game enthusiasts, arcade game enthusiasts, yeah. there for that weekend or whatever it was, and they'll witness him bust a million
1: and get to the final screen. Which they call the death screen, or something? Yeah, it's the death screen because I think it's they used to program them to the point where they would literally have no memory left. It would just memory would keep accruing every time you went past the screen. Mm -hmm. I know for the Pac-Man death screen, you can literally play half half the maze is rendered and Mm -hmm. it runs out of memory, so you could you can pick up the points from half the maze, but the moment you touch any part of it that isn't complete mm-hmm. the game ends because it's like well, amazing isn't there? you've you've died yeah
0: so he he breaks this record and so the people from this I'm going to call them an organization yeah you can from, call call them an organization twin galaxies t- they're there they witness it and they're happy and they put his name on the leaderboard on the website they do it almost immediately yeah then quite coincidentally a videotape gets brought in to the arcade which is from Allegedly from Billy Mitchell, claiming that he's
1: already beaten, already topped this score. But it keep was... in mind, they've made a before this. They've made a very, very big case for. Oh, it's on tape. It's not. Yeah. It, you know, it's not really real until somebody sees you mm-hmm. do it. And then the moment Billy Mitchell's tape turns up, they will sit and watch it, and they're like, "Oh, well, Billy's beating you." Yeah.
0: <laughs> Some people questioning the legitimacy of the tape because it was kind of skipping, Sc- scan lines, and things. Points. And... At very, you know, convenient or inconvenient points. I don't think originally that he was going to submit that as a a score. And then, for some reason, the guy from Twin Galaxies was on the phone to him and says, do you want to submit this as an official score? Because I'll accept it. And I don't know if this guy from Twin Galaxies, Walter Day, who comes across as a really nice guy. Yeah. I don't know if he was caught up in, like, the drama of the moment. Yeah. and he just thought, oh, this would be amazing. We've already beaten it once, we can beat it twice in the same weekend at this event that I'm running, that we're here for. Yeah. He... And he puts him straight onto number one spot on the leaderboard. Like you said, no dispute, despite the fact it was on videotape and not witnessed in public. Yeah. And essentially, that's kind of where the story, as far as the documentary goes, fits all so... They but... People get to meet Steve Wiebe, the the underdog, and pretty much everybody at this event, including Billy Mitchell's best friend, comes to like Steve Weeby as, yeah. um, as everything transpires. And there is some nice moments when the founder of um, Twin Galaxies, Walter Day, pulls him up in front of everybody and gets just, his name wrong. He, he gets it, but but you know, yeah. he's what he says to him is very sincere. He looks him in the eye. He's not. Doing this for the crowd. Yeah, he's talking to him face yeah, to face. Yeah, these, pe- the these
1: people care about this score. Yeah, this
0: this. And the, but they realise that they've possibly done him a bit dirty by disputing his original score, videotape score. So I think that these the two people, Billy Mitchell's friend and Walter Day, they do come to genuinely like. Yeah, the underdog of this
1: story. It's um, it's a re- really good documentary because, like I said. I wouldn't say it was a really good documentary. The first half of that documentary is blatantly supposed to be something else. As the
0: first well. half now is really messy and boring and you're not really sure what's going on or who you're supposed to be following. And just by sheer luck they, they they stumble upon the fact that Guinness call up Walter Day, the Twin Galaxies while they're there just by chance and they say that they want to include these records. And so they need some kind of more official way of legitimising them, which is what I think, which is why they do everything at this Fun Spot event. And so then, yes, then you have the dispute over Steve Wiebe's record, then him proving that he is the player he says he is, getting the record, then the drama of Billy Mitchell's tape coming in, and that all kind of happens over a weekend, but they've clearly been filming for for months and months and months. And there's characters who pop up in it like i said when it started they were going to make a a film about video arcade game rivalries yeah and so there are characters who pop up in it just needlessly that i you think they yeah again.
1: yeah i think they could have taken them all out but i think that's a good instruction to the kind of subculture of it. Yeah. like you see like most most of the people in this they they're not very social animals no you know what i mean you and you get to see all these people that are similar and then when you meet Steve Weeby, and he's got a family, and you know he's a teacher at school, and you know they they talk about how he's kind of the loser in life. He never get he never wins the big one. That's right. Yeah. I mean they kind of that that to me seemed a bit in because it was like well you never hit that home run at high school. Yes. And he never like oh.
0: Yeah. I mean the thing that struck me about that is like I said it's very nichey and cliquey and it just doesn't seem too dissimilar from any kind of thing like that. This you could take the video the arcade game aspect out, out of, of it, it. And put it into and, any kind of small subculture. You would have the exact same group of people with the exact same set of problems.
1: Yeah, true. The exact
0: same dynamic. But that's that was what was good about it and that's what was relatable about it. Anyone can enjoy this documentary. You don't have yeah, to be, into don't be a fan of kids. video games at all. So that was good. Now then that was kind of only where the story began, really. Yeah. Talk Just- about what happened in the years since?
1: Well, in the years since, uh, the record's been beaten by a lot of other people. Uh, well, at least two or three other people, and people have basically stopped going for it, or it's been traded back and forth by people. Steve Weeby basically doesn't care anymore. He's like, well, I did, I did it. It's fine, um, and he, he has traded. back. But, but Billy Mitchell's the real story because uh, he's his high scores have now been. Uh, stricken from Twin Galaxies I believe it was last year
0: yeah there was always some doubt
1: over whether they were real there was always some dispute over the videotape Uh... and what they discovered was uh, he was using an emulator which is an arcade game ran through a PC and people could tell because of a specific update to the emulator for the arcade it's called MAME yeah uh, and they discovered, like, you can tell it's the emulator because the emulator does this, or it draws this on the screen first. That's
0: right. I believe it was something to do with the arcade version. It opens and closes each level like a set of curtains. Something got... Something and got, then the emulator loads it from the top down. down. It was very specific. specific yeah, and uh, that basically blacklisted him. Just to but, go back to the emulator thing, the problem with that was... The possibility that he could have saved it at any point. Yeah, you can it save by pushing if
1: you push F nine. So, it,
0: in general terms, I don't think people were too bothered that he did it on an emulator. It was that the emulator gave him the ability to save. The emulator, voice. you can do anything.
1: I could you, could, you could, you could, in theory, rock the game back after you died. Emulators are not arcade perfect, so you could fudge with the timing, so that you knew exactly what was going to come when. Or you could make, say, the what they call a hitbox of a character, a, a pixel or two bigger or a pixel or two short, uh, smaller, mm-hmm. which would obviously alter how the game plays, yeah. which means you're not on an even playing field. And because it's not arcade perfect, which is why they were, they were checking out mm. that guy's arcade, uh, Steve Wibby's arcade machine, to make sure it was an official arcade board and not an old board that somebody just stuck the Donkey Kong chips to. Mm. Like, as ridiculous as it is, that's what they were doing. Yeah. But once you run an emulator, like you can't trust anything about it. Really, it's interesting. It's also kind of sad because, like, that guy's obviously a good player because mm-hmm. that movie takes Billy Mitchell and it puts him off as the peak of the peak, the ambassador. Yeah. He's apparently he's going to take this thing mainstream, which is hilarious. So they really put everything on to to, to Billy, mm-hmm. and so so to find that he's not authentic, shall we say? I won't use the word cheat, but, um, you know, it's kind of made them look foolish. So he's kind of been blacklisted from the entire organisation, because I'll use the word too. <laughs> so the legend of Billy Mitchell's kind of dead, which is a, is well, a, a fitting coda, the, the, really. The,
0: the, the legend of Billy Mitchell has transformed into something else.
1: <laughs> yes. So very much his Now he does Skype Mitchell. calls. Who the hell would call him? So the thing that struck
0: me instantly when I started watching this was how much. Billy Mitchell was like Peter Dinklage's character from Pixels which was Paul's favourite movie
1: it's how dare you
0: and <laughs> oh I want to... there was just so many things about um, Peter Dinklage he thought his look his kind of um, manner char- his, his kind of character arc as such that was so reminiscent of what was going on in this documentary
1: yeah I think that's one of the, one of the reasons I can't stand that movie because it's just like Oh, he's Billy Mitchell. Yeah, like, nicked, nicked like you, didn't so even, you didn't even you didn't call it your own mm-hmm. brash person. You just stole Billy Mitchell.
0: I later found out that the director of The King of Kong, Seth Gordon, was a credited producer on Pixels, which makes me think that gave him that kind of credit just to kind of pay him off. It's kind of like, we're going to steal essentially all the story <laughs> from, your, from document. your documentary and turn it into this... And Adam
1: Sandler. "Quote unquote comedy," which is based on a
0: really good short film with no yeah. story. Yeah, but yeah, we should mention the short film Pixels.
1: Yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen that.
0: It's great, but what a, what a foolish idea to try and make a feature film out of it. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice little two minute short film. If you're unaware of it, some guy dumps a TV set on a bridge, an old CRT TV set. Out of the TV set breaks some pixels. And the Pixels become arcade game and video game characters and kind of just destroy the city. they cut the space invaders and Tetris with buildings. So pretty much what you see in the movie Pixels, but much better. Yeah. And so, yeah, Seth Corden, the director of King of Kong. What was interesting also for me was that he hasn't done another documentary since. He's only done narrative based films. He's done the likes of Horrible Bosses, Identity Thief, even that awful Baywatch, <laughs> Baywatch. he did Baywatch oh dear
1: um,
0: yeah that was interesting because a lot of people a lot of criticism over the documentary was that it was quite fabricated and built up into a kind of a, like a fake story as such yeah and, and two very like you said two characters the bad guy and the good guy yeah which they weren't necessarily because I've seen Steve Wiebe and Billy Mitchell interact since on YouTube videos and they're, they're fine with each other of course they're, but it makes good, of course, television. It makes a good documentary, yeah. But particularly as they never set out to make that documentary, the people in this documentary didn't know that that's the documentary that it would end up being. What are the ethical issues with that?
1: Yeah, when you when you're going out there and you're, so, I mean, how many people did the film that aren't even in the movie? Tons.
0: But it's not it's not even that. It's just like as a filmmaker, what's your responsibility to to, to tell a what story at what point do you decide what story you're telling and is it okay once you get to the edit suite to kind of make up a story you know billy mitchell and steve weeby think that they're small characters in a documentary about video game rivalries and then when it comes out they're actually the two stars where one of them's
1: a good guy and one of them's a bad guy
0: you know the ethical issues of filmmaking always fascinates me yeah documentary
1: filmmaking rather just pick your angle and stick with it if you can so king of kong king of kong i really oh. i really enjoy it but i am closer to the subject matter than oh let's put it this way for a while after i saw that movie i started playing donkey kong a lot more again
0: uh, well i think it's one that you can enjoy whether you're into oh yes I definitely one
1: you can enjoy without it but because, it, it did make me go you know what what old game was it any good at yeah. you know what i'm not good at any of them
0: so sticking with old video games Atari Game Over It's a documentary by Zach Penn best known for screenwriting wrote the likes of
1: uh, Last Action Hero uh,
0: the second X-Men film the third X-Men film The Incredible Hulk The Aven- uh, Avengers Assemble and Ready Player One he's most known as a screenwriter but in this case it's turned it's hands turned it into a documentary documentary it's a pretty short documentary yeah it's, an hour. it's about an hour it's about I'm covering this myth, which I was aware of because I think it's um, in New Mexico? Yeah. And I've got a friend who lives out in New Mexico and he told me about this years ago, that there was this alleged video game Yeah, dump, this, this has been... The world's worst received most disappointing video game, based on the movie E.T. Yeah. Which was... For the Atari
1: 2600.
0: Returned to shops and not sold and the myth goes that in the middle of the night in the middle of a new mexico in desert desert,
1: a a landfill in the desert a big container
0: lorry came with all the unsold cartridges of this et game and just dumped them and people have been trying to find it for years and years and years and that's pretty much where it starts people trying to find this game and they set up the fact that just what the game, how bad it was, how it yeah. came to be, and kind con- it dispelled dispelled a lot of the myths that had existed. The big one
1: being that E. T. was the cause of the downfall of Atari. Yeah, anybody that like followed the the industry, like you, you really know that E. T. didn't kill Atari. Atari killed Atari. Boy. That's the popular narrative that yeah goes that is, out there. Yeah,
0: they dispelled that. It was a story of two parts. It was yeah. a story of. Atari and the creation of this game and the game maker. Um, and the other half of it is trying to find trying this done. Find... So it goes into the details of the game creator Howard Scott Warshaw.
1: You yeah. created Yard's Revenge, uh, Indiana
0: Jones. He's sort of come off several big successes. Y- yeah. And he's one of the the golden boys at Atari. Yeah. Mr. Spielberg Comes along allegedly, it's Mr. Spielberg. I'm not sure how much of a decision he had in making this.
1: I d- I, I imagine it was does this work? <laughs> yes, okay, get it out there.
0: So, yeah, essentially, he had a crazy turnaround of was it eight months or less than eight months? Five weeks. Fuck, okay, so he had a turnaround of five weeks, yes, to create a game, a but they wanted PT. It out for Christmas, right? He did it, yep, the game went out, people. Yep. Shitloads of people bought the game. Yep. Shitloads of people returned the game. Yeah. People
1: a, dissed the game. It's a bad game. It's not the worst the game, game ever made. It was buggy. It um, it wasn't so... To me, E.T. is not so much buggy as incomprehensible. Okay. Because for the time, uh, you know, it was... Pac-Man goes around the maze, shoot the space invaders. E.T. it's like, click the pieces of the phone, then avoid the FBI agent, then avoid someone else, then put the phone together. There's a lot of steps to ET and there are things that are bad about it, like you can consistently fall into pits and then try and get out of them and the moment you're out you fall back in and things like that. Not necessarily bugs, but poor game design Mm -hmm. which basically caused the game to be returned an awful, awful lot.
0: And so, the popular narrative that went forward from that was that it caused the demise of
1: Atari. The video game, Not only the demise of Atari, the video game crashed the entire industry. So that's quite something, even though like you said, people in the know know that that's not true, that was a
0: lot of weight on the shoulder of the creator uh, uh, yeah, uh, who evidently left the vi- the video game industry yeah. altogether and what did he become, a therapist or an he, analyst He became a therapist, yeah. Um. So completely different. To me that was a really interesting story, I
1: loved that side of the documentary. Yeah. The, the the sort of documentary I I was like who cares was the actual the actual digging up bit.
0: Uh, I thought that was interesting, but uh. it was, it's
1: interesting, but at the same time, it's not like they returned all copies of E.T. and buried them. Like you well, could, this, this like, is <laughs> what happened?
0: I mean, the yeah. the urban legend was that there were millions of copies of this game dumped in the yeah that's the New Mexico desert. But what I
1: mean is, like E.T. is not a rare or difficult to get hold of game, so I never understood why. The fact any of them were buried or not was a big deal.
0: Well, I just I don't know. I think it's quite. I think given the fact that the popular narrative was that they destroyed the, game, the industry. I suppose destroyed yeah. Destroyed the industry, and I mean it was much more severe. What people were saying it they were literally saying millions of millions cartridges of copies, yeah. were dumped because
1: they were unsold or returned. Well, the the, the the reality was the other part of that that story is that Atari supposedly mm-hmm. produced more. Cartridges than there were machines to run the cartridge on. Right.
0: Uh,
1: I don't know where that comes from, Mm -hmm. but I've heard that many a time as well. Um, (laughs) Which would be hilarious if true.
0: So the actual reality was once they'd. A lot of time was spent trying to track down where this actually happened. Yeah. People going to insane lengths to, you know, figure out exactly where it was, going through records of waste dumps back from the 80s, trying to figure out
1: where it was. They got a photo of someone who was taking a photo of some dumping and they reckoned it was the dump, so they photographed the distance. It was like the JFK film being dissected.
0: (laughs) Eventually they hit on a spot where they were pretty sure that it was. They were given permission to dig it up and they found... A bunch of E.T. games and a bunch of other games. They found games like Centipede which was a huge seller. Mm -hmm. From what the documentary puts across, it wasn't anything to do with Atari. It was a warehouse that went out of business that needed to get rid of their shit and they just dumped it. It was completely irrelevant. Uh, It made out that there were Atari games Um, and the fact that not all of them were E.T. in fact a very small proportion of them were E.T. really kind of dispels the whole if, which yeah. it, it's one of those things where it's a much better story,
1: untold. Yeah, you know, before it was to, much better story. Thinking that yeah. Atari themselves had, had buried millions m- of copies of ET. I love the I love the fact that somebody was like, "Yeah, there are more copies of the game than there are machines to run it on." I believe, DiCaprio was going to do the Atari story instead of World of uh, Wolf of Wall Street.
0: It would be fascinating to watch because that was the thing from this documentary that I was the most interested in was the Atari story side of things. It was just Fascinating. It's almost like they had to bring that side across because the reality of what they were filming was so underwhelming. It was just an anticlimax there. <laughs> and what they found wasn't what they wanted to find or hoped to find. As interesting as it was to kind of dispel that myth, it was the the Atari story was much more interesting to me. Yeah, there's
1: there's entire documentaries and films that need to be made about that because. Some of the 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 rumours, the urban legends that go around about that are just insane. It's mm-hmm. like you hear things about Google where it's like nobody has a chair and people <laughs> are going around on like skateboards yeah. and things. Like apparently, this was like wild coke parties and you know people working in jacuzzis.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was all touched upon. and This could have been a much broader, yeah, better
1: story. But how how then you wouldn't have got the founder of Atari to turn up and?
0: I'm sure they set out to make a documentary about this urban legend, and the, then uh, had and then to it, fill. Yeah, actually, oh shit! <laughs> there are oh. a million ET games.
1: I'm wondering how far it was down there. You know, I, I wonder if it was like, oh, we found it. We better dig some more holes <laughs> around here, um, because yeah, the the end of it is a bit of an anticlimax. Um, I tell you the bit that did um, did strike me as, as really strange. The um, Ernest Klein. Yeah. The bit with him in the Delorean going across the country. I'm like, why is this here? Am I right in thinking? Did he pick it up from
0: George R. Martin?
1: George R. R. Martin had borrowed his DeLorean to go to a convention in. <laughs> he had to go and pick it back up. Uh, that was, I mean, cool, but <laughs>
0: yeah, it was <laughs> very strange. filler for sure. Yeah, yeah, there were there were a few bits of filler.
1: It's a it's a fun little documentary, but it's I wanted to hear more of the Atari stuff for sure. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So the other one you recommended to me was Indie Game the movie and this one really struck a chord with me I imagine it would do Um, it's a documentary that follows the journeys of indie game developers as they create games um, and release those works and themselves to the world what were the
1: games that were there is Super Meat Boy Braid which
0: was already out
1: that was the point of reference Braid was Braid was the big the big hit at the time and Fez they're the big three so
0: the, the two that were in development being created through Super the documentary boy and instantly i had instant empathy with these poor guys mm. who were working essentially by themselves in a room on their own day after day after day creating something you know poorly funded not knowing whether it would be a success not essentially their payday would come if the game was a success if the game was successful it's instantly it's like oh god I feel, I feel their pain so yeah. badly.
1: But one of them, Fez, Phil Filth. Fish, he came across as a bit of a, a douche. That's my favourite part of that movie, is when he's talking about how he wants to kill his ex-partner, and he's just going mental. Essentially, the documentary
0: follows these two games being made. The one, Fez, by Phil Fish, and then the other game, Super Meat Boys, by two guys whose names I don't Which,
1: know. Let's just call them Team Meat, because that's okay. how they they're they One's to.
0: very kind of neurotic and quite a depressed character. The other one's complete
1: opposite, very much here there for the ride, you know, come yeah. what may. Yeah. And you, you do you do feel for them, but again, they're very they're very insular people within themselves, aren't they? In yeah. different ways. This 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 is a slick film. This was from
0: 2012, so this is just as the dslr filmmaking boom is happening and the people who've made this film they know how to to make a film that's unlike uh, particularly king of kong which is essentially just people swinging around a camcorder yeah trying to grab what they could like you said this was very slick the the cinematography you could call this cinematography the, yeah the visuals were, were brilliant the interviews were Well lit, well shot, and then just all the accompanying cutaways and whatever, just really nicely done. And it yeah looked like a really, really beautiful film. So as a piece of filmmaking, it's great.
1: Yeah, as a film, I think it's really Mm -hmm. good as well. I think it's um. So I'd say it's uplifting.
0: A little yes, it certainly is. It's a good feel-good story. It's maybe about ten minutes too
1: long. Yeah,
0: it's it's slow to start. And it's sort of ended fifteen minutes before the credits start.
1: Yeah, although that final fifteen minutes when uh, Meat Boy is released.
0: Yeah, that is. No, but and then once all that's happened, it seems to go on and on and on and on. Yeah, where they're just like Jesus Christ. Yeah, you know, we get it. It's been a success, Uh, but it's well well deserved. I'm right in saying that their game gets released and the other guy. Bears, his game just gets demoed at a convention. Yes. He hasn't
1: released it yet. And Jonathan Blow, the guy that made Braid, mm. I, I found his bit really fascinating as well because while everyone was holding him up as a huge success, he, yeah. he says, like, yeah, my game is successful, but n- n- like a lot of people haven't got what I wanted them to get out of it. Mm. And that kind of hurts a little bit that they're going, oh, a great game, but they're not getting it. I think that's. Probably
0: a common theme amongst everything. Yeah,
1: and I was just like, I mean, I I really loved Braid, and mm-hmm. I was like, I hope I got what he wanted me to get. I found it really, really touching when he was like, yeah, I, I love that people love it, but mm-hmm. I, I, I need them to get this. This is the important thing to me.
0: The four people associated with those three games know that every pixel of those games And so it's understandable to see from their point of view why they they see the mistakes. Yeah, why they wanted kind of more out of it, and why two of them certainly weren't satisfied. Well, three of them weren't satisfied with what they'd got. So it's it is a kind of very different mentality, and I do think it would be different if they'd worked for one of the bigger game companies or and been one of dozens of people creating, you know, those games
1: that's a tremendous amount of pressure to put on one person or two people or five or even ten people but you know they do it to varying levels of success I felt
0: less sort of empathy for Phil Fish I thought a lot of stuff was kind of derived from his own neuroses and issues really like he was a lot of self created problems like he was demoing his game at this convention and it kept crashing that's an awful thing to happen and he mentions oh I shouldn't have Messed with you last night. I was like, well, of course, you know, you don't take an untested game and like be surprised that it's crashing. What an idiot. Yeah. You know, if you had a working version of the game, it might not be the game yeah. that you want to sell, oh. but at least you've got something that works that people can play. Yeah. To be tampering with it, and the fact that he didn't have
1: that version that worked,
0: yeah. that he could put on for people to play. The
1: whole bit with his ex partner, where it's like, what happened? Because like this is a brutal quote unquote breakup. It's so fascinating. Again,
0: these are even if you're not into video games, it's you, the you're, journeys, you're it's the people behind people. it. You yeah. know versions of these people.
1: Anyone that has ever struggled to create anything will have empathy with these people. Mm-hmm. I think the film really did them a huge service because
0: certainly it was the the one with the least. Kind of agenda or the the clearest story to tell yeah Um, and I guess in a way you know with all documentaries there's a bit of luck riding on it and it was lucky that super meat boy was a huge success that was although if it wasn't you know maybe that would have still been a good story to tell but you're right it was a good uplifting story because of the success of super meat boy
1: brilliant loved it
0: cool so from three very good very entertaining absorbing documentaries about video games we're going to plumb the depths of some, well, a studio film Nintendo's 90 minute commercial film called
1: The The Wizard Wizard. which is
0: quite infamous
1: in many ways. I'm just going to let you keep keep talking because once I get going (laughs)
0: So if you're unfamiliar with The Wizard it's a film from 1989 funded mostly by Nintendo to plug pretty much every game they've ever made all their accessories it was directed by Todd Holland who I'm most familiar with because he had a big part in Malcolm in the Middle which was a great show he kind of set the visual tone of Malcolm he has fortunately got a good legacy now but uh, yeah I guess this was a bit of a a blip on his his resume features the stars of the day Fred Savage and who else Christian Slater Uh, Bo Bridges uh, oh alright and essentially it's about what do you call him autistic
1: they don't actually say do they
0: no Um,
1: it's supposed they play it off like it's done because of the trauma
0: of losing his yeah so the synopsis on IMDB reads, a boy and his brother run away from home and hitch cross-country with the help of a girl they meet to compete in the Ultimate Video Game Championship. So essentially, French Savage kidnaps his younger
1: brother. From um, f- from, a, a, from a an home. institution. Yeah.
0: And I don't think they go off with the intention of going to... No, no, sh- uh, they the get the idea game. from the girl. I haven't watched this movie since video days. My memory of it was it was essentially just a nineteen minute commercial. And the first half an hour literally no video game references happened.
1: I'd not seen it to completion. Yeah. Until I watched it for this. So I'm going to strangle you halfway through this review.
0: (laughs) So so I was watching it and I was like, Oh, this is just a fairly bog standard video eighties movie. Nothing particularly bad about it, nothing particularly special about it. Are you kidding? And then for the first half an hour,
1: I wouldn't say it was good or bad. The acting's terrible apart. Fred Savage is the best actor in the movie, and that includes adults. Like, the premise is bad anyway. It's an 80s movie. There's nothing about that it... That doesn't excuse a- bad filmmaking. On, there are plenty of movies 80s. made in the 80s that are good. To me, there was nothing that I
0: thought was a very bad example of an 80s It just was like... An average 80s movie. all right
1: okay I'll give you I'll give you average-ish
0: <clears throat> there's nothing overly bad about it the first half an hour until it started relentlessly with the Nintendo plugs
1: yeah um, my the worst thing about it to me is none of the situations made any sense or connected together in that film
0: so as?
1: I remember there was a, a scene where they boy the road and a troop of bikers roll up mm-hmm. and I don't know whether they didn't have any footage for it or anything but I have no- I noticed in this film there's very much a, a situation where something would happen to the kids mm-hmm. they cut to Christian Slater and the dad and then all of a sudden the kids would be doing something either completely different yeah. or like vaguely vaguely reminiscent of what they were doing before like the bikers they were suddenly on the back of the bike and mm-hmm. you're like well, who are these bikers? How, how, how did these kids talk to them? You know, give me some characters. Nothing. Because yeah. you just had to keep moving because you had to get to California.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to say for one minute that it's a good film, but it, was, it wasn't the train wreck of a film. It's dreck. I remembered, or was hoping for, I was really disappointed that it wasn't worse. worse yeah.
1: Yeah, it's not even the kind of bad you can laugh at. And like I said, because it wasn't that bad, I noticed all the stupid video game things, but that makes no sense. That's not in that game. Like you you're working with the company, like use the actual stuff because the people you are tricking, and don't get me wrong, they are tricking people to see this movie. Are ten year old kids mm-hmm. who are gonna immediately know that's not right. But of course the main reason to see this movie it was the first time you got to see Super Mario Bros. three. The only reason a lot of people went to see this movie was to see that footage, because Mm -hmm. that. other than that, it was uh, screenshots in magazines. Yeah. Before we recorded, a couple of days ago, we were talking
0: about movies that were essentially commercials funded by... This is a good example of a Nintendo-funded commercial. We talked about Mac and Me.
1: Mac and Me. Mac and Me's better, because it's so bad. Oh, no, no, I hate Mac and Me. Mac and and Me's so bad, you you laugh at it. Okay, well... (laughs) Anyway, so there's Mac and Me.
0: We were trying to think of any other. So if anybody... Knows of any other movies uh, funded simply, by yeah. organizations that aren't movie studios and essentially had heavy product placement in them and plots that don't <laughs> were make it around sense. their products.
1: Yeah. To be honest, I even That's, I forgot, no. even I hadn't realized how, how many just blatant, like, oh, something horrible just happened, I'm going to play Nintendo. <laughs> The worst,
0: the worst one was um, when Christian Slater gets up in the middle of the night. Yeah. Or he wakes his his dad wakes up and says, What are you doing? And he's going, Oh, I'm playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And he s- literally explains the game to him yeah. for five minutes. It's like, All right, that's pushing it a bit now. And then, he, <laughs> and then the he goes next to bed. shot is. Um, he goes to bed
1: and the dad's woke Bo up after right? playing
0: the bloody game. That was just too. Terrible ridiculous. game, by the way.
1: And the Power Glove as well. Oh, it's so bad. Legitimately was as well. It didn't work. See, that could have killed the video game industry. The kid playing uh, Fred Savage's brother was just, what? Uh, The female, quote, unquote, love interest of Fred Savage. There's one scene where they're in a casino and they've got some guy that she knows to play craps.
0: The guy from Batteries Not Included.
1: Yes, that's what he's from. Thank you. Uh, as soon as I saw him, I was oh, great. Right. And she's just yelling, put it on the doubles. And she wins. And it's like, what? Aren't you doing this for money? Because apparently she can just wish money out of like dice. It's It makes no sense. Um, the guy that he's hired to bring the kids back and he's treated like the Terminator looks like.
0: He's ridiculous. Yeah, no one would be scared of him. That exactly. Was, that was a very bad cast.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he's treated like it's Arnie in the Terminator. But he looks like, I don't know, who's he look like?
0: A tiny little weaselly <laughs> character who no one would be scared yeah, of. Yeah, yeah.
1: And there's like two, two side bits where they they both beat each other's cars yeah. up because they blatantly just need footage. I genuinely think this is one of the films they didn't write a script for and just went, go, go, go.
0: Yeah, the other major product placement scene was when, when he smashes his car up and they're trying to get it fixed. Yeah. And he, and <laughs> he just, like, just I starts... He, I found he, it in the back of the van. Yeah, I, I found this in the back of the broken the broken console and I have just I'm fixed it and I just plugged it into the, the TV <laughs> that's here. Yeah. I guess that was kind of like, you can play it anywhere.
1: And it's easily fixable. Yeah. <laughs> And the thing is, they they ruled the world at this point. Like Mario mm-hmm. was more more recognisable than Ronald McDonald or Jesus. It was ridiculous, and yet they made this Follow Boy. Well, they didn't make the Super Mario Brothers movie, mm-hmm. but they allowed someone to. And um, that's the last Nintendo I've had to do with movies until mm. either this or next year, because they've got the Minions people making a Mario movie now. <laughs>
0: so anyway, if you've got a liking a for eighties. Bad 80s
1: movies. What, they're, something else? This isn't, bad. this isn't
0: bad enough? It, it was, disappointingly, not as bad as I... It's I'd. boring. It's a very average movie.
1: And I was really looking forward to it. Well, yeah. I was looking forward to a having movie. a movie so bad that we could just tear it to bits. Yeah,
0: you wanted to see it. Well, yeah. You're, you're glad you've seen it. It's a, a film you can take
1: It's some Yeah, off my off my must-see. But
0: yeah, to, to reiterate, we're on the lookout for movies... Essentially, commercials. Yeah. If you know of any, let us know. And
1: we're not talking like movies, like Transformers the, the movie, yeah, yeah. where you know it's a product that has inspired a movie. It's well, I mean, Mac- was a-
0: Mac and me is a good example. McDonald's funded that. Everyone works at McDonald's. All they do is eat McDonald's. Uh, yeah. They drink Coca-Cola. Who would the drink of choice at McDonald's? Yeah. I mean, they didn't even try and be subtle with the name. No, <laughs> Me. Mac- Mac- there's a five minute dance routine at a mcdonald's which is just uh, okay yeah. whatever i really hope there's loads more <laughs> I, and yeah boy, so the wizard t- being nintendo's just crazy scene after scene with nintendo games and product
1: but first. like i'm really wondering how much how much did nintendo have to do with because i'll be honest with you yeah, they usually take more care than that over mm. their products
0: different time. I mean it was probably just a throwaway movie to promote Super Mario 3. Wouldn't,
1: yeah, wouldn't yeah? me if it was tax right
0: off as well. Yeah, well <laughs> who knows. So yeah, if you know of any movies that fit that mould, let us know. Be interested to check them out. We, we've kind of gone off the beaten track a bit as far as the indie film theme goes but it, I don't know, it was kind of worth touching it on. It fit
1: the theme. It, it was either got to be this or the Super Mario Brothers movie, Yeah, which I've never seen
0: I I remember seeing it when it was on TV but it was not one I've ever wanted to revisit but anyway that's the end of video games going back onto low budget films got two short films to review one documentary one horror thriller film both by director Patrick Green who sent them our way if uh, anyone else has a film short film, feature film, documentary wants us to check it out talk about it, review it we'll gladly do so uh, just hit us up on our social medias. I'll give you them all at the end. But these films, what do you want to tackle first? The documentary or the short film?
1: Let's tackle the short film first. Okay.
0: So the short film's called Mommy's Little Monster. What's the story?
1: Well, at the start, you're not too sure. Uh, you you think that basically this mother and her son are, are going to a cabin in the woods. Yeah. And then things take a more sinister turn. And. You're not sure... You're aware that the mother is, is very worried about something. Mm-hmm. And... You believe it's the son for a while. Yeah. And I think... The
0: fact that the, the film's called... Mummy's Little Monster...
1: Yeah. It's you're,
0: you're definitely...
1: Led down that Led path. down that
0: path. And that was one of the things when I was watching it. I was like... Why have you made this so obvious? Why is it like this? And it reminded me of a, a film called... Goodnight Mummy. might be called Goodbye Mummy. Essentially... That's a a horror thriller about um, two kids and their mum. And it's, you know, it's a really interesting film, but there's sort of like what's set up as a twist. And it's so obvious from the beginning. You're just kind of like, this is such a good film. I can't understand why they've got this obvious twist that's going to happen. And then you get to the end of the film, which is really good, really well acted, well scripted, well directed. And the twist happens and you're kind of like, well, I knew that was going to happen. Yeah. And then something else happened. You're like,
1: oh, oh. Oh, really?
0: Oh, oh, shit. And then I was like, okay, you got me. And I felt the same way with this film. I yeah. was like, I felt, you know, I was, like you said, being led down a path. And then when it wasn't what you think it was, it was like, all right, you got me. I, yeah. I had the exact same reaction. And so, yeah, like you said, really well-made film. Can't, t- I guess, talk too much. Essentially, like you said, the, the plot is mother and son escape to a cabin. Yeah.
1: And we're not sure what that reasoning is yeah I thought it was well acted mm-hmm. I don't think finding good child actors is easy this kid did a really good job mm-hmm. mother did a really good job and that's really all you can say about it that delving into
0: it's unfortunate if you get the chance to check it you out you should we definitely check this out it. yeah we haven't it's, had the need to rate the other films because they've been out a while but as I've ever rate them out of five kahuna burgers
1: I'd give this uh, four Four and a half? I was I was I was I was around a four and a half. I'd give it a four mainly because to be honest, because I I want um, within the top within the time frame of it mm-hmm. like I wanted more. Yeah. Which is my only problem. Like maybe it's like saying it's too good. Yeah. but like but it's a really, really good film. I can't recommend it enough, to be honest, if you check out. So I think this is just
0: starting to hit festivals, so if you get the chance check it out, director Patrick Green, you can follow him on Twitter, um, keep up to date with what's going on. I think actually Mommy's Little Monster's got his own Twitter as well, so follow both Patrick Green and Mommy's Little Monster to be kept up to date with that. Uh, his other film he sent was a documentary called For Your Consideration, which was about uh, two street artists who created a piece around Harvey Weinstein they premiered around Oscar time last year essentially the piece was a sculpture of Harvey Weinstein on a couch and it's called Casting Couch couch. and the idea behind it was that you could sit on the casting couch have your picture taken and that that was the piece and that was what the documentary was about it touched on other aspects of um, the guy's work who I believe it's called Plastic Jesus. Plastic Jesus. And the guy who did the actually did the sculpture was called Ginger. So what did you think of this one?
1: I I thought it was very well shot. Mm-hmm. Uh the subject matter to me it's not something I'd really follow that well. But I f- I wasn't aware of his other pieces. Uh, Plastic Jesus other pieces like the uh the heroin needle um, Oscar from a few years before. Yeah. I was aware of the Naked Trumps because they got a lot of press around the world when he was running for president. Which were gingers. Which were ging- Yeah, which were gingers uh, piece, which is um, and obviously I'm very aware of the Harvey Weinstein situation. Yeah. They touch on what it takes to to come up with these ideas and what you have to do to make them and. I've never really considered it before to be honest it's just kind of like I never really considered where people get the ideas from so that was, that bit was quite interesting once the installation was out and they started touching on like, like why am i doing this that was that was also good
0: if you follow my instagram you'll know
1: that i post
0: a lot of street art yeah where i work in digbeth in birmingham it's full of street art and paste-ups, uh, graffiti. Uh,
1: some of which is very good, yeah. some of which is not so
0: good. <laughs> oh, yeah. I only post the good stuff. Though. Well, yeah. Um, a few months ago, there was an alleged Banksy down there. Whether it was or not, who knows. But within 24 hours, that was vandalised by other people. But anyway, so I, I really like and appreciate street art. But the thing for me is I like the mystique of it. His stuff was really good. The yeah. the hero the Oscar injecting heroin's really fun, that's yeah. a great idea. And even the casting couch is a great idea. But I'd prefer just to know about those pieces much more than, than anything to do with them I think um, a big part of why people like street art and why I like street art is the mystique the mystique it. and people you know, you're not knowing where it's come from.
1: So yeah, big kahunas. I'd say three. Like it was really well shot and mm-hmm. and like the the idea is really good. I think I'd give it a three and a half to four. Okay, but you, like, like you said, you're much more into your street art than I am. Anyway, highly recommend checking that out. Yeah, it's 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 a well-made piece, and it's interesting. Like it's definitely it's made me made me think about street art a hell of a lot more than I was before. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that brings
0: us to the end of our video, mostly video game themed yeah. podcast. Thanks um, for putting up with my. Uh, no, thanks for thanks for the suggestions, thanks for the recommendations, and hopefully we'll get you back. I'll come back anytime. Once more, if you do know any movies that were funded by um, organisations, I know this, there's got to be more. Coca Cola—they made a movie about uh, Santa Claus that would be brilliant The Santa Claus was really made by Disney it's just <laughs> so yeah let us know if you've got any other films that you'd like us to check out and review that you've made let us know about those if you've got any favourites that you think we should check out if you've seen anything new recently that's worth a watch let us know you can find us on Twitter Facebook and Instagram uh, on Facebook and Instagram, just search for Indie Filmopolis. on Twitter. Unfortunately, because it's such a long name, you're limited to the amount of characters, so it's only Filmopolis on Twitter. If you're interested in O West Enemy that we're talking about, you can find us on uh, Twitter and Facebook, O West Enemy UK. And we've also got a website, movie.com. You can head over there. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search for either Philip Hugh or for Filmmaker. P H I L M M A K E R. There might be an underscore in there. Paul, how can we find you?
1: At PM Barrow on Twitter.
0: Okay, that's all from us. We're off to try and beat the Donkey Kong world record. Ta da! Good luck. Bye bye.